The reading this morning is from Jonah chapter 4. Jonah's anger at the Lord's compassion. But to Jonah this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I know that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have more concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. May God bless this reading from his holy word. So, what a journey we have been on with Jonah over the past few weeks. And as David has recapped already for us this morning, I might just skip through this next bit a wee bit quickly. But think, use your imagination, because although we maybe have never been in the sea or the belly of a whale, perhaps you can think about instances in your life that kind of correspond to that. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah. He was told to go to Nineveh. If you remember, Nineveh was such a big city, it took three days to go through it. And he was told to preach. But it wasn't a very nice message he was told to preach, as we heard last week. Well, Jonah just wasn't having any of that, was he? So he went in the opposite direction. And he found a boat, and there came the storm, and the sailors asked him, what what should they do? So they threw Jonah overboard. And when they did that, the seas became calm. There's an interesting little verse just at the end of that. This was enough to convince the sailors about the Lord. They didn't know the Lord before this small incident happened. But then, because the seas became calm, 
They offered a sacrifice to God and made vows to him. So remember, even the smallest thing in your life can have a big difference on any, somebody who's watching. Of course, the Lord wasn't finished with Jonah. He provided the big fish to swallow him. And there in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, he prayed to God. Now, maybe we haven't been in, as I hope we haven't been in the belly of a fish, but sometimes life can feel a bit like being in the belly of a fish. You're not sure what's happening. You're not sure what you should be doing. All just seems a bit bleak. But Jonah turned to God in prayer during that. And then the fish vomited Jonah onto the land. But God still wasn't finished with Jonah. He gave him a second chance. He again told him to go to Nineveh and there to tell the message he had been given. And this time, Jonah obeyed God. God will always give us second, third, fourth, fifth, how many chances we need. It's quite important to remember that. When all seems lost, it still isn't. So Jonah preached the message. A bit reluctantly, but he preached it anyway. And as we'd heard the king and everyone else in the city put on their sackcloth, and they repented of their evil ways. And God's response was to not bring the destruction. He saved them. And you might have expected Jonah to be happy about that. More than 120,000 people saved. Well, as we heard, no. Jonah was not happy. Jonah was angry. Very, very, very angry. The word anger occurs six times in that last chapter. And he was angry because God saved the people from destruction. So Jonah, again, turns to God in prayer and says, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I know you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Maybe not the best start to a prayer. There's not much adoration there. Don't think there's any confession there either. And can you imagine how Jonah might have said it? See, I knew you would do that, God. That's why I ran away in the first place. Because Jonah didn't really want God to save Nineveh. He would have preferred the destruction of the whole city. And Jonah had known from the beginning that God was capable of relenting. Because God's theology, Jonah's theology was right. He knew what God's character was like. But Jonah didn't want that. He had thought that instead of showing to the Assyrians the same kind of undeserving love and favor that God shows to Israel, that God should punish the Assyrians. So Jonah has a wee argument with God and is really angry with him. Because he knew God, he knew his theology, he just hadn't really accepted it. And sometimes we can know things about God, but they don't make enough difference in our lives. And Jonah was a bit like that. The words Jonah recites are like a creed, and they can list God's characters. Now, sometimes we might recite creeds. We might recite the Lord's Prayer, but they're just words. To Jonah, these were a bit just like words. It has to go deep within us. 
So Jonah gets angry. The anger's caused by his realization that Jonah can't manipulate God. There was no way Jonah was going to get God to do what he wanted, which was to destroy the Ninevites. So again, he ran away from God, and his anger turns into this self-destructive despair. And he feels that the only thing left to do is that he can control whether he lives or dies. But even in that despair, he wants to control God, because he demands that God carries out this sentence. Because Jonah says, now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Well, God doesn't go into a big explanation with Jonah. He gets straight to the heart of the matter and says, Jonah, what right do you have to be angry? God had the right and the cause to be angry with the Ninevites, but he chose to offer forgiveness. What right does Jonah have to be angry with the way God has chosen to deal with Nineveh? None. So does this calm Jonah down? Well, no. Can you imagine going off in a bit of a strop? If you've ever seen children storming out of a room when they can't get their own way, that was Jonah. So he just drops off, goes off in a huff, and sits down and goes, hmm. I wonder if he was still waiting to see if God would change his mind. Or maybe he was hoping that the king and the people would fall back into their wicked ways, and God would then destroy them. But that doesn't happen. And God remains true to his character, and he doesn't bring any destruction to the city. Do you know, but God still doesn't give up on Jonah. Even though he's gone off in a strop, even though he's gone off in the huff, even though he's angry with God, God still persists in following Jonah and showing him some kindness. God never gives up on us, even if we go off in a wee strop, in a wee tantrum. And he shows him the same kindness that he did to Nineveh. He provided the plant to give him shade from the hot sun. And the sun was pretty hot. And Jonah's happy for that. Bit short-lived, though, because the next day, God sent the worm, which destroyed the plant. Has Jonah learned his lesson? No. He still turns to self-pity and despair. He still wants to die. Jonah can't see the connection yet that God wants him to see. For the plant symbolized God's mercy on Nineveh. God wanted Jonah to see how wrong it was to be angry about God's forgiveness and kindness to Nineveh. As Jonah was thankful for the plant, so he should have been thankful for God's kindness to Nineveh. And while God's gracious provision to Jonah brought him happiness, God's gracious provision to Nineveh had brought him anger. And the destruction of the plant showed this to Jonah in the reverse. For the plant's death symbolizes the removal of God's mercy from Jonah, just as if he had done what Jonah had wanted, which he didn't. Jonah was angry when the plant died, but he would have been happy if the mercy of God had been denied to Nineveh. So God was trying to show Jonah how confused his thinking was. Not sure if it worked with Jonah, But sometimes our thinking can get really confused as well. If things don't go the way we think they should, 
Or God doesn't answer us in the way we want. How do we react? Do we get angry and bitter against God? Do we want to give up? Do we want to run away from God? And it can really be too easy to get angry with God and to not really listen to what he is saying to us. And Jonah's anger here is very similar to that which we find in the parable of the workers in the vineyard in Matthew. In that parable, the landowner hired workers to work in his vineyard. Some workers started at nine in the morning, some at noon, and some at five in the afternoon. So when they came to be paid at the end of the day, the foreman paid those who started last first. And they got a denarius. And that's about the usual daily wage for a worker. So when it came time for those who were hired first, they expected to be paid more because they had been there longer, hadn't they? But they also got one denarius each. Well, they weren't happy either. They were angry. They complained to the landowner. And the landowner told them that, actually, you have no right to complain. You were paid what we had agreed upon. And after all, the landowner can do what he wants with his own money. They should not have been jealous because the landowner was generous. And it's not good to be jealous because someone's benefited from someone else's generosity. And it's not good to be jealous or angry when someone benefits from God's generosity. It doesn't matter how long we have been a Christian. And if we're a new Christian, God's grace and forgiveness is the same, whether we've been a Christian for many, many years or whether we come to faith very late in our life. God's grace and forgiveness is the same to each of us. And we shouldn't say to God, well, I deserve more because after all, I've known you longer. Look at all the things I've done for you. We can't say to God that he should love someone or forgive someone just because we don't think they're deserving. So in this parable, anger was not justified. And it wasn't justified in the story of Jonah either. In expecting God to judge and destroy Nineveh, Jonah had held on to the judgment, but he'd forgotten the love. God holds out both judgment and love. And in the case of Nineveh, love, which is at the very heart of God, love prevails. God demonstrates in this Nineveh that love, grace, and mercy is also for all nations and for all people, not just his chosen people, not just for Israel. And the same is true for us today. God's love, grace, and mercy are for everyone, not just for his people, not just for his church, but for all. And we need to be careful not to become angry with God when he demonstrates this. Now, the story of Jonah ends abruptly. We don't know what happened. And, you know, we don't really like that because we like the stories. We like the films to have the happy ending. We like to see the couple walking off into the sunset together. We're not really that keen on cliffhangers. Do you know when season one ends and it's that bit, you don't know what's going to happen. And in the old days, you, have to, you had to wait several months before season two came along. And nowadays with Netflix and Amazon, you can just 
go straight on to season two. But we don't like cliffhangers. And we certainly don't like endings that are not clear. But in Jonah, we have a very unclear ending. We're not told what Jonah's final response is to God. Does he remain in his anger? Does he repent? What does Jonah do? So the writer of the book of Jonah left that question unanswered. It was left for the readers and Israel at that time to answer. He might have done that because he wanted Israel to take an honest look at themselves and to see if their own idolatry had made them no better than the the Assyrians. And you know, we can't sit here today and be complacent, for I think there's a little bit of Jonah in most of us. The story of Jonah challenges us to look inside ourselves, to see where our own power struggles are with God. Where has God called us to be? Or what has he called us to do that we're running away from? That we are challenging God about? That we're angry with God about? Are we being obedient to his call on our lives? Or are we running away? Are we headed towards Tarshish or Nineveh? And as we look closely at ourselves again, reflected in Jonah, have we given over every part of our lives to God? Or are we still holding something back? Are we fully open to his call in our lives? To go and to love all people? Or are there still some people that, you know, we don't think really deserve his love? And yes, God, you can have this part of my life, but not that part. And you know, the story of Jonah, I think, can challenge us also as a church. As a church, are we fully committed and engaged in mission and evangelism? The gospel, the good news of Christ, is not our private possession. And evangelism and mission are not optional extras in the life of the church. They're not just part of our program. They're the reason for why we're here. They should be in every part of our church life. So as a church, are we running away from God? And it can happen. We might get too caught up in what we think we should be doing and what we think is important. And we don't stop and check in with God. Are we still in the right place? Are we still following God's work and God's will for us? So the challenge of Jonah is where are you today? And where are we as a church? Are we back at the beginning of the story, running from the call of God? Are we in the hull of the ship, fast asleep? Are we in the belly of the whale, crying out to God? Or are we finally in Nineveh, but still keeping something back? Are we being stuck in anger with God. So are you running from God or running with God to wherever he wants you to be? Tarshish or Nineveh, where are you heading for today? Just one final thought. In Michelangelo's painting in the Sistine Chapel in the Vatican, he's painted the prophets, the apostles, and the patriarchs. But out of all the faces he painted, None of them 
has a more radiant countenance than Jonah. Did perhaps Michelangelo hope that Jonah had indeed accepted God's pity and become reconciled with him, that Jonah did become a good communicator of God's grace and love. We don't know the answer to that any more than we know about Jonah. But what we do know is that our story is not finished. My portrait and your portrait is not finished yet. What do you want your story to end like? What would you like your portrait to look like? But however it ends, or however it looks like, one thing is sure. It will be dependent on the mercy and the grace that we receive from God through Christ, and also on that which we give away wherever our own Nineveh is. Amen.